This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies to you. For what is your Friday edition of Locked On Browns, your host Jeff Lloyd from SI.com, Browns Maven, Pete Smith. Going to say this first, Pete, it's still weird every now and then to Google something Browns-wise, have SI.com link come up, and I see the little Zoltar picture. Pretty cool for you, my friend. Um, last night, um, what's up, bud? Not Zoltar. What the hell is it? Good Lord. It's God from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <sighs> On the phone, Pete, my eyes aren't always so good. Um, as happens in the podcasting world, uh, just as, you know, the record button was done yesterday, I open up the phone waiting for the audio to drop so I can load it up and there's some news. And obviously right off the bat, you know, because it wasn't one of the favorites or a name we had even heard of, everybody's initial reaction is to piss all over it, hate every drop of it. Um, as Pete will often remind you, I'm old. Um, I remember every bit of Alex Van Pelt's career at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, remember him starting as a true freshman, all of it. Uh, you know, so, you know, here we are now, obviously not much of an NFL career. Uh, you've got guys who speak really, really well of them. Aaron Rodgers seems to be one of them. Um, then there's the pissing and moaning of what the hell would you take a coach away from the Cincinnati Bengals for? They were 2-14. and 14. I get it. I do understand it. Um, and like we try to tell you guys with all of this, you know, even if it sounds exciting or whatever, it's it's not a cliche. It's, you know, so much goes into whether or not, it, you know, a front office works or a coaching staff works. I mean, you know, it's, you know, did you assemble everything correctly? Did you have, you know, the right recipe and cook it the right way? And did it turn out to be a decent meal product, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and obviously we're not going to get any of the answers this week, obviously with the Niners playing Sunday in the Super Bowl, as far as, you know, those two names that maybe, you know, seem to be interesting names here. Um, you know, maybe Shanahan's going to do a nice job here and to be able to retain a good amount of that staff. Um, but obviously, Pete, you know, it was definitely a out of left field. And even when I first saw it, you know, I know the name. I, you know, remember Alex Van Pelt well. But, you know, it took a second before I even knew that he was currently the Bengals quarterback coach or was currently the Bengals quarterback coach. Uh, yeah, so certainly wasn't uh, the name I was expecting. But uh, Alex Van Pelt uh, has a good reputation when it comes to quarterbacks. And I assume that's why the, the major reason why he's hired, uh, you know, he may have um, a tremendous amount of acumen when it comes to helping with uh, the scheme and, and some of those things, uh, game planning and, and all that. But uh, he's only been an offensive coordinator part of one season. Um, and that was in 2009. So, you know, this, to me, this seems like a lot about, Baker Mayfield and the combination of the fact that if you wanted a guy who could really, you know, you really believed in as far as coaching quarterbacks and, and like mechanical stuff, which is some of the things he's been uh, lauded for that if, you know, the only way you could get him was to promote him. You couldn't make a, uh, a uh, lateral move. So theoretically they could always, 
you know, a guy like uh, Scangarello, who I think is still sitting out there, um, could technically be hired as like the quarterback coach, even though he's not necessarily the quarterback coach, and just sort of have him uh, do more of the game planning type stuff and uh, have uh, Van Pelt do, you know, still still help with that, but be more primarily focused on, on the quarterback position. I don't know if that's sort of the thought process here, but that's sort of my immediate reaction is you can sign, you know, free agent coaches and you can't, you know, just scoop up guys from, from uh, other staffs. So that's sort of an option, but um, he backed up. I mean, he's notable in that he was drafted in the last eighth round of the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, notable and that he coached for the Frankfurt Galaxy. Both of these things no longer exist. Uh, and then he, he, you know, he's a backup for Montana. He was a backup for Jim Kelly. Um, and you know, Aaron Rodgers speaks highly of him. I don't know how much that is. Bengals fans seem to be pretty high on him in terms of being able to help out Andy Dalton with some of his mechanics and, and improving his game. So um, that is more of what I'm interested in than anything else. If he's going to be beneficial to Baker Mayfield, uh, then great. Uh, it, 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 I, I guess because we don't know enough about, you know, this is one of those where you can't know um, what he's going to offer in terms of like game planning and scheming and those type of things uh, where you can be a little bit nervous about the risk as far as, Maybe uh, Stefanski didn't get somebody that's going to help him enough in that aspect, and maybe they they fall they're they're hurting a little bit there. But you know Chad O'Shea's got experience doing that. He's been an offensive coordinator. Uh, and, you know a guy like Bill Callahan has been a, a head coach, so they he may be leaning on more of those guys for that type of stuff. Um, well, and with what you said there, I mean you, he's assembled, you know. And however they're going to be labeled, and, and like you said, I mean, obviously, you know, could be Shadow Scangarello coming in here, becoming the quarterback coach, but you're setting up for where it's, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of guys who've, you know, had a lot of influence in in places they've been, so you can't go wrong there. Um, obviously, Van Pelt not as much here, but look, you know, and as much as everybody wanted to say, you know, this offense isn't working for Baker, yada yada yada, you know, some of it was on. Baker they're you know as far as you know his his drops were too deep so you know obviously edge rushers you know were easily getting past offensive tackles because offensive tackles are taught to set at a certain position and if a guy gets around you the quarterback's not going to be there because he took a proper yardage depth step depth and then proceeded to bounce up into the pocket and take his throws uh you know those just stuff and you know you need somebody in Van Pelt who's been a quarterback his entire life and you want somebody look in it's not absurd to say you know that everybody needs mechanical help from time to time and you know baker did not look as free and as fluid in 2019 as he did in 2018 uh, we'll see how the rest of this staff rounds out and obviously we'll know we'll know more and we'll know you know who's getting purged from san francisco what's getting purged maybe from kansas city uh, you know we'll know that late sunday night early Monday morning. Um, Jake Liskow, Joe Goodberry, uh, they host the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Neither were really excited about this move, um, especially with, you know, we see the way things are lining where, like, Joe Burrow is going to be the next quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they were hoping that, you know, they were going to be able to have, uh, you know, Alex Van Pelt along for that ride. 
Um, the one thing that is interesting here, Pete, and just the way it's lining up is, you know, with what's coming in offensively, um, it looks more and more, you know, I'm assuming Kevin Stefanski is going to be your play caller. Uh, that was my immediate reaction. There was some talk that Van Pelt was going to do it, or at least some some theory out there. Again, it would seem odd that you know, somebody he didn't have it. a great relationship with, he's essentially going to trust to do this. Yeah, I mean, a guy who hasn't done this since 2009, it seems sort of odd that he would do it. I mean, there are multiple other coaches who have done it, including himself, uh, that have called plays more recently. So I'm dubious of that. I think ultimately Stefanski will do it, um, which doesn't bother me, uh, as it does some people. It's But it becomes about delegating the other thing. And uh, I think he appears more than capable of doing that. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, it just, I mean, it seems the most, uh, you know, obvious one, obviously. And uh, Pete, now obviously, um, and this is where I guess everybody got a little confused as far as passing game coordinator. Those exist on offense and defense. Um, but again, now Kevin reaches out to an old buddy and, you know, there's not much left in Minnesota. Minnesota, it's, it's a little bit of a strange situation. It's kind of like they kept the head coach, but they're, you know, putting together the rest of the staff. And it's not like, you know, Zimmer's, you know, some, you know, spring chicken or anything. Um, but new defensive backs coach brought into the fold, Pete. Yeah. Um, Howard was, was with the Vikings for seven years. He's worked almost exclusively with uh, defensive backs. It's interesting because the Vikings weren't going to retain him anyway. Um, so it's um, – you know, they, they took a guy who's essentially already out the door, which is not the first time they've done that, obviously. O'Shea was the same deal. Um, so Stefanski knows him. Uh, Joe Woods is at least familiar with him. Uh, I can't imagine he wasn't in on that hire, uh, especially for – Well, Mary Kay, Mary Kay Cabot essentially said it, you know, as we're waiting for Joe Woods to get here to Cleveland, we brought in somebody he's familiar with. Right. So – I, I thought, you know, the DB's coach and defense, you know, the passing game coordinator, which is one of the most useless labels. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought that was the one that that uh, Joe Woods would probably have to be the most particular about um, just because, you know, it's, he's got 12 years ex- experience doing that. And I think he's going to want it done a very specific way. Um, and, and that may be where the, he has the most direct impact. Uh, but, yeah, as far as defense goes, they just need a defensive line coach and a linebackers coach. Um, and then it's largely a question of if they're going to bring in somebody else to do something along those lines or if they're going to bring somebody to be the run game coordinator. Uh, we have <laughs> the, the Browns of the team of titles. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the coaching staff is getting pretty close to done. It, it's just really a question of how many extra spots they're going to bring in as opposed to just the main ones because the main ones they basically got three left yeah and it, you know it is funny this this whole passing game coordinator thing this it almost seems like like a resume patter and it's like somebody who works at a company with 30 people and you know they in the resume they put in charge of nutrition of the employees of the company, which means they fax off the lunch order to the local bistro and have it delivered. Um, you know, some of that stuff gets a little 
crazy in you know as far as the terms and with that stuff and it's look, it is what it is and obviously you know it's a work in unison thing is always and forever what you're looking for uh we're gonna get some more here on locked on browns pete smith your host here jeff lloyd we're only through another episode if you enjoy football and you have a heartbeat and a brain you then you know what's coming even though it's been really kind of quiet this year obviously with all that's gone on in the past week but either way it is time for the super bowl plan a party get the snacks ready and get your wages locked in because it's coming Sunday, whether we're ready for it or not. You've got a feeling about who's going to bring home the Lombardi Trophy, and you do not want to miss out on your chance to get your bets in before the NFL season ends. Yes, nothing goes faster. Come 1130 or so, Sunday night, it's all over, people. My bookie features the most complete lineup of Super Bowl props of any sportsbook in the business. The amount of betting options is simply unrivaled. And you can even visit mybookie.ag slash party now to access a principal prop sheet for the big game. Football, not your jam, not your joint. Well, guess what, folks? NBA, NHL, college basketball, all up and running. You can use your money there. Plus, if you sign up right now, they will match your deposit halfway. You put $200, they will give you $100 of their money. That's basically free cash to throw down on your best bet. This will be the last chance to take advantage. So sign up now. Enter the promo code Locked On, capital L O C K E D O N, when you make your deposit. That's promo code Locked On to give your bankroll a jump start. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. We've kind of already gone off on this, and now it seems to be picking up steam. And the worst part is this stuff comes out, and, you know, you got a gentleman like Richard Sherman trying to talk about, you know, another Super Bowl appearance. And he's got to talk about the monotony and the minutia of a 17-game season. And, oh, look, guys, well, here's the caveat. We'll only play three preseason games, you know, where, A, you've got a lot of young guys trying to, you know, cut their way into the league. B, if you saw anything last year with the Cleveland Browns, maybe they needed a little bit more of those reps because it, the cohesion never really got to where he was hoping it to be. But it's there's just so much to it that needs to go along with – you can't just say 17-game season without saying X, you know, you know, X, Y, Z and a bunch of other things it's just bad all around. And the other thing is, guess what? 17 games, you know, 17 games, a lot more injuries. It's just a bad idea, Pete. And the worst part is, is we all know what's going to freaking happen because everything about this, just like the combine going to prime time, everything about it is for the godforsaken dollar. Well, I mean, yeah, that is the driving force. Uh, you know, Jerry Jones estimates that that week seventeen, you know, a seventeenth game is worth a billion dollars. Uh, despite the claims that they're worried about uh, safety and all that crap, um, the uh, the notion behind the the pre the less preseason game is, um, which is, is based around the idea that like these coaches prefer to do the scrimmage stuff, which they have more control of sort of um, they have some more control in terms of the type of, you know, reps they take and 
they may not take as many like straight on hits, but the thing that seems to happen at so many of these things, they end in brawls. Um, so there's that risk. Uh, but, uh, the whole notion of extending the season another week, um, you know, how many teams barely make it through the season now? Um, I, again, we just did this last year. I, it, it was hard enough to get through the 16th game. Uh, the last thing I need is, an, is to go through another game that wouldn't have meant anything. And that is ultimately the thing is, is you get into this issue of more injuries uh, and more catastrophic injuries and just more, you know, just a wear and tear in general is more difficult. Um, I hate the idea. I, I don't want to mess with it uh, at all. I, I really, the, the proposal that I saw that it is the most frustrating because it's the one that I think could theoretically get passed. It's incredibly short-sighted. The idea of like making it even less uh, summer stuff, which I think is an awful, awful idea because that's part of the problem is what's going on is they're not getting enough work and not getting enough contact work because then in a situation where they can theoretically rest, where it's not just, you know, a never ending grind and they get a chance to sort of rest their bodies and, and coaches can be smart with them and stuff. But the, the issue they're running into is guys just aren't physically prepared for the season to then take hits or contact, you know, dealing with high school or college and stuff. That's why you have acclimation days and all that stuff. And it's, you know, the, the, there's only so much football you can really play in a year that's reasonable. Uh, so their, their idea is to try to put more of it on TV, which I get it from their standpoint, but I just think it's an awful idea. And ultimately, I think as much as they're threatening to do this, I think it's really just an idle threat to get something else off the table, which is what it always seems to be about in that, you know, they'll take the 17th game off the table if, you know, the players give up, you know, X amount of dollars or some benefit or, you know, some seemingly very reasonable thing they should get anyway. And it's just stripping away what little leverage they have. And, you know, the, the weakest players union in, in sports because of the nature of the game and, and how quickly careers go, um, they will probably, you know, there may be enough support from players that they actually want the 17th game because the guys who are only going to be in the year for three and four years uh, get that's an extra game check. Now, I don't think that adds up. I don't think the other things are prudent at all, but that is at least the threat. And again, I think uh, the, the best thing they can do is either keep it the same. 16 games to me is perfect. Uh, if, if they were going to do anything, and they're of course not going to do this, would be reducing games. But 16 is is right where it should be. I don't want to see it go more than that. Uh, as much as you know, the, the the talk of well, of course you watch it. I mean, I have to because it's my job. But it's just awful football when you get to that point, and one and teams just have checked out, and they're just trying to get the hell out without getting hurt. The other team's playing for something, and something awful happens or whatever. There's just any number of reasons to just not do this. Yeah, and, and you know, a prime example, obviously, you know, the Browns, uh, you know, towards the end of the season, Brian Cox Jr., Porter Gustin. Um, I mean, I, I forget what week we played the Miami Dolphins, but literally looking at the injury report and going, who the hell are these freaking guys? Um, and that's the more games you play, that's what you're going to get. And, you know, by all means, you know, everybody wants to see, you know, 
a quarterback that was put on a roster in week 12 start the 17th and final regular season game because maybe that's where you're at attrition wise and or you, it, nobody cares anymore or guess what I'm already one in 15 what the hell do I give a crap if I'm one in 16 and you know it, it may increase more teams to just literally tank which the NFL doesn't want but you know doing this is only going to fuel that um it's just it's just bad on so so many levels and before I would even be close to it to even think it was a good idea there'd be many a thing I'd need to agree upon uh you need to have more players active on game day um you need to have maybe bigger rosters and that's the thing here is you know you're essentially creating more work, but yet you're still asking, you know, 40, 53 guys to do it. Um, and something don't add up there. And it seems like, you know, trying to make a lot more money for uh, those that aren't actually physically playing the game. Pete, over the years, there have been numerous, numerous quotes to come out of the Super Bowl. But I think today, one of my favorite may have come out. Andy Reid. Um, and I'll be honest, you know, and God bless him. I had no idea Andy Reid had nine grandchildren. Um, he was asked about his grandchildren. They keep you young. And at the same time, they make you feel old. It's kind of like sweet and sour pork. <sighs> a number one, that's a thinker. A number two, Andy, man, you're in Kansas City. It's supposed to be barbecue. But I mean, and maybe part of this is Andy, like I, this gets so long in the tooth and I am so sick of asking questions. I just want to coach a football game on Sunday and see if I can deliver a Lombardi. But sure, grandkids are like sweet and sour pork. Sounds good. Well, I don't have any kids or grandkids, so I can't answer that. Um, it's possible it's true. Um, I guess because <laughs> you cannot prove it. The Pete Smith theory, yeah, I mean, if I cannot I, prove it, how can I say otherwise? I mean, I guess it. I guess it could be true, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I, you know, picking on poor Andy Reid here, but I guess I, I, I can't be too surprised you related it to food. God bless him. Hey, you want to know what? If you're a happy, chubby, fat guy, go ahead and be a happy, chubby, fat guy. We're also talking about the same guy who, after the AFC Championship, yeah, it was really cool and everything, and I just went home and had a cheeseburger. So, be comfortable in your own skin is what we're trying to say here, folks. What is it? What's the old one? Uh, be true to thyself, to thyself, be true, that type of thing. Uh, we got some listener questions here. We'll get to those in a second. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, taking you through Friday on Lockdown Browns. Guys, I talk all the time about gear. And look, all these companies putting stuff out, I'll always help them out. Um, look, I'm all for everybody if you're working hard and you, you know, there's effort into it and trying to make a couple of bucks. Hey, man, God bless it. In perfect world, everybody gets to make a little extra. My folks over at Zabo Apparel. Uh, I've gotten to know the family really well over about the last calendar year or so. And uh, actually it came through, uh, you know, Joe Schobert and his wife, uh, you know, Megan, and they are just fantastic people, the Zabos. Um, I, I love the fact that, you know, everybody's taking time to serve their country. Two kids in the services now, obviously the dad spent, you know, his time as well. Um, I love the fact that it's not a rush to print and it's not, you know, as like we like to say, you know, hashtag, hashtag print it, you know, make a T-shirt with it. Um, it's 
because they are true fans and it's players that they truly appreciate um, and things of that nature. ZabelApparel.com, at ZabelApparel on Twitter. Go ahead and tell them I sent you their way. Uh, get yourself all geared up. Obviously, you know, stuff already coming here with the uh, the Ski Club t-shirts, you know, and obviously, you know, in uh, regards to the new head coach. But you're looking for apparel. Go ahead. ZabelApparel.com, at ZabelApparel on Twitter. Uh, first one here, Pete, and this is one we're probably going to say no on. Um, but as far as, you know, this is obviously going to be based on Nick Chubb fitting the running game system that's about to come his way. And could it be something where, you know, he gets to 2,000 yards? I don't think any of that matters. It all matters about W's and L's. That's the nature of the beast. But in a perfect world, Pete, and what was maybe part of the issue here as far as the overall success in 2019 was there wasn't enough even balance. And too many times it was, oh boy, here we are in a hole. Ah, screw it. Let's give it to Nick. And hopefully, you know, Nick will somehow go six, seven, eight car carries, 60 yards, and hopefully we can get a touchdown here. You need, you need to get Odell, Jarvis, Baker, the tight end position, it's all got to be a humming machine. Look, anybody can take anything away from you in the NFL. And you saw that over the last couple of weeks. 2,000 yards isn't something we're looking for here. And, you know, Nick, as great as he was this year, and obviously over the last two weeks, it should have been even better than he was. It's not about meeting certain marks, although it would be fantastic for Nick Chubb. And maybe he'd actually give us two sentences on it because he doesn't speak on anything. It's not about certain numbers it's about overall balance and essentially zigging when they think you're going to be zagging well look i I think history points to the fact that 2000 yard runners generally suck the next year um it's just you know the the load you you, um you, you want to you know limit the number of touches a guy has every year um so uh, 2,000 yards would be great. What would be better? Super Bowl. And I think that's what he's focused on. I think that's what they're interested in. I think that's the only award any of them care about, or, you know, at least that's what they're saying. So uh, to me, I mean, I, I would like to- 2,000 total yards out of Nick Chubb between catching passes and running the ball. I think that is more than reasonable. But I think overall, the, the goal should be a reasonable amount of touches so that you don't run into a situation where you wear down. I mean, I, I expected it to happen at some point in the playoffs. I got the week wrong, but that, you know, it's part of what happened to Derrick Henry. He just ran out of gas. Um, it's hard to be, you know, to constantly run into a buzzsaw and expect to sort of get out. Now, having said that, you know, there's certain running backs that are very good at avoiding taking a, a guy's best shot. Nick Chubb's pretty good for that. Um, he, he does a lot in terms of breaking tackles and some of those things. But, again, it's between injury risk and just overall wear and tear. Uh, if, if, you're, if, if you're saying that, look, we're going to run Nick Chubb into the ground and four years after four years we're going to let him walk, then, yeah, you can go that route. If you are of the mind that, look, if, if uh, you know, after that four years we'd like to resign him, it doesn't have to be an obscene deal, but, you know, he's a great player and we believe that we've, you know, done enough to sort of take care of him. He's going to continue to be great. 
um, we don't have to do you know do running back again, then I have no problem with that. So yeah, I, it, those individual marks are great. Uh, he he went to the Pro Bowl, or yeah. And, uh, you know, if he, if he continues to be great, then he'll get all pro and all those type of things. But, again, for those guys, it's just – I think the line was more into the idea of him winning the rushing title than he was. He just seems to be more interested in getting wins, uh, which is where this group should be. Yeah, and I'll tell you right now, Nick Chubb would have traded his stat total from 2018 if it meant that the Browns were 89-17. and 17 in a heartbeat, or at least, you know, played as a wild card. There's no doubt about that 100% team guy. And one of the things that makes Nick so special is he's so great at breaking initial tackles at the line of scrimmage, and those are the big dudes. And he's quick enough to beat the bigs, and then once he gets loose into a secondary, he's bigger than the littles, which just is the overall makeup of what makes Nick special running back that he is and it'll be interesting and you know you hear Derek you know Derek Henry uh oh well Zeke got you know Zeke Elliott got six years 90 million yeah that'll be the floor okay I mean and it becomes tough when you know this is what's on the essentially you know the money you're gonna have to invest in these guys it makes it really really ter- ter- uh, tough uh from Dino at Drake Maddox 28 Edge options behind Garrett, free agent or draft, assuming Vernon is retained. Um, Pete went in depth on this the other night. I, there's reasons why you want to keep Olivier Vernon around one more year. But Pete, it, it is a good thought process where it's all right, even if we're just keeping Olivier for one more year and everybody kind of knows the deal into it, do you want to be one year ahead of it? Or do you, you know? Do you want to just have to rebuild it on the fly? Well, I, I can't say I love this. Uh, I can't say I love this draft class for edge guys. Not to say there aren't guys. There won't be guys. Um, he but did my bring up a name, is, though, after this that I know. I th- I'm pretty sure you're a fan of, but go ahead. Yeah, we'll see how he tests. Um, but uh, what I assume is beyond the fact that it makes no sense to uh, – get rid of Olivier Vernon. Uh, you're going to have to pay Miles Garrett basically what he and Vernon are m- making combined. So when Vernon walks and signs somewhere else, you can get a compensatory pick at some point, uh, as opposed to cutting him and getting nothing other than cap space, which you may or may not use to make yourself better. Um, so it doesn't make much sense. What I think is most likely to happen is that uh, – they may. I think they're going to try to deal with it in free agency. Maybe they add some help in the draft. But I think realistically, that is probably the primary thing they're looking to add in 2021's draft is to get a rookie across from Miles Garrett. Obviously, cost controlled. If it's first round, it's theoretically five years. Everybody else, four years. So yeah, I, that to me seems like the most likely scenario. But such is such is life when you have all these needs to fill. Thanks, John. Uh, that uh, you have to deal with. There's a lot of issues on this team. But if they can get somebody like, you know, Emmanuel Agba or somebody like that that may not cost a lot, that could be a real quality player for, you know, depth purposes and those type of things, then that might uh, make a big deal. No, Pete, John did a fantastic job. I mean, if if you look, 
on social media, they'll tell you what a great job John did with a boatload of assets. Um, and Dino's follow-up was um, Curtis Weaver from Boise State. I believe he was I love you. him on tape. Uh, he's got heavy hands. He does some damage up there. He reminds me of Jabal Sheard coming out of pit. Uh, but uh, the, the question with him is going to be how to do the test. There's some who believe he's going to test pretty poorly. Um, but, yeah, tape-wise, he's great. He killed it at Boise State. That's the other question that people are going to have with him is, you know, how, the level of competition. But uh, he uh, doesn't just move guys out the way. He takes the, the, the shortest path of the quarterback, and that may be an adjustment for him initially. But he can he can move guys, and he can shock guys with his, with his hand use and, and show some power and, and doesn't, you know, doesn't really go around guys, goes through them. So he's really interesting. Um, but it seems like, uh, at least ranking-wise from the rankings I, I, I tend to see, it seems like he's dropping a little bit in anticipation for his not going as fast as maybe some people think he will. But he may he get may get drafted a little earlier just because, again, this this edge class just I don't know. There's there's some really interesting guys, uh, but like I, I I don't know if we're gonna. I think this is one of the positions where you could be like, eh, just not enough there. This gives off the ever popular the edge class the ever popular Twitter phrase of. This ain't it, Chief. That's kind of what it seems like right now. And it gives off the opportunity where there could be somebody right now who's very, very underrated. And they go in and test very well. And it's going to be somebody who could maybe rise, you know, a round or two. Just because everybody's, look, everybody's always looking for them. But when there's a draft where you get before the combine where there isn't one, you know, everybody essentially has got their... You know, their tongue out, like, feed me, feed me, where are these guys? And one emerges out of nowhere because they test very well, and it'll be one of those things where, all right, I guess I'll have to teach you, but I'd rather gamble on – but, look, you are looking – You'd like, what you ideally would like would be somebody who plays like Olivier. And, look, they don't have to be the greatest of athletes, but be technically sound and be a guy who sets the edge. And be a guy where, you know, and look, not everybody's running out of quality right tackle week in, week out. Um, well, don't worry. The focus is going to be over on the other side. Um, just do what you can do. And it's, you know, and it's crazy. And the pass rush here dried up quickly. There wasn't enough of it. Um, maybe you're going to have to look at it interior-wise and find maybe you can get some help there. It's going to be interesting as far as, you know, in the philosophy of, you know, obviously a new defensive coordinator coming in here and how all that's going to be handled. And, you know, we got months to do it. And I'm really looking forward to actually starting to transition to solely just draft. Uh, trust me, I really, really am because, uh, you know, Pete and I enjoy it. You guys really enjoy it here. Um, it's just, it's, it's fun. It's, I love this time of year. I get really, really excited for it. So I'm really looking forward to that. As far as what will eventually become the rest of Andrew Berry's front office, Pete, um, this is where it makes it tough, guys. Um, and look, they understand what they did with letting, obviously, Alonzo go, with letting Elliot go here. And look, if there isn't a hire, and somebody asked about uh, Polian's kid, if there isn't a hire here before the Combine, then most of what's going to make up and be part of shaping and drafting this 2020 class 
it's in the building because you don't do it here. Everything starts shaking out, you know, because everybody always talks about league year, league, league year, yada, yada. It's more, for me, it's kind of like once you, the draft is over as far as league year and those type front office types who, you know, and, and somebody moving on and getting a promotion, it usually seems it's like a May 1st type of thing. Once the draft is done, a bow is put on it and all right, it, it, you know, if you're going to move on, you're going to move on and we'll start filling our holes here front office wise. It kind of almost seems to me like that's like your league year beginning. Uh, it's possible. Uh, the thing is like, you know, no one really expected Andrew Barry to leave when he did. And that was in February. Um, and it, nobody it, was frigging listening to him anyway. It, it, it could be a scenario where, you know, the reason it's sort of after uh, uh, George Payton took his name out, the, the reason the deal wasn't done quicker is it may have been Andrew Barry sort of like doing some of the, the homework to, to sort of get set up to get those guys in. Um, so, you know, it's possible that those guys are coming, you know, here in that, th- this next month or a couple weeks or whatever. Uh, Senior nerds have junior nerds. Well, I mean, like the, the guys that he, that they had here before in those jobs, um, were, uh, are, are just scouts right now. So it would be a, uh, it would be a promotion. I, and again, I don't know how that, that's one of those. I don't know how that really works in, in terms of that stuff, but like if they, like a particular person for the college, uh, director of college scouting or uh, VP of pro personnel. I mean, like they had uh, Opara and uh, Vega before, and both those guys are technically scouts. So theoretically, if they, for, just for, as an example, if they like those guys, it would be a promotion. So I don't know if there's like a, a place where, you know, they, they can't sort of hire them or, you know, if, if those guys basically decide, you know, it's polite to sort of wait or to, to uh, go now as opposed to wait for the draft, uh, hard to say. So for that, I would say my answer to that is I have no idea. Um, I, I would, I'm leaning towards those jobs are filled sooner than later, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I just, it's, it's hard for me to think that they're basically be like, yep, this is everybody we got. We're going to go and, you know, another critical offseason, you have to get it right and be like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it in a couple of months. But this also may be part of where Andrew coming in helps because there may be guys that were, I don't want to say ignored, but, you know, were viewed as way down the food chain. But, you know, whereas Andrew, you know, values people in different ways. And whether it be the analytic approach or, you know, just how they handle it, or it's the fact that you truly knew these guys were putting in 16 to 18 hour days, you know, everybody's got a different worth here. And Andrew at 32 versus the John Dorsey at his age, um, there may be guys Andrew's absolutely in love with that are already in this building. And, you know, there's always those guys that nobody knows about. And all of a sudden they essentially become somebody. Uh, Pete, latest over at Browns, maybe. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was keep a track of those coaching, coaching hires and all that stuff. Uh, and we'll see what we're coming out with. I'm debating whether or not to do another mock draft. Uh, just yeah. do it. People love mock drafts, Pete. You know it until, until it actually means clicking on them. Um, <laughs> oh, so we'll I, I, 
So you got to put the picture of it in there, Pete. That's the thing. Put the picture of it in there. That helps. So we'll we'll see. But uh, that sort of thing is waiting for this coaching staff to fill out and obviously the Super Bowl uh, to to get done. So we're sort of out of the league year and figuring out what's going on. Um, Yeah, well, we've got a Super Bowl preview coming here. Um, We'll figure out the rest of the week. And then hopefully, obviously, you know, come Monday, it's, you know, all guns are blazing on the off season. And I can't believe it's been all of January where it's, you know, almost been, you know, spotting planes and spotting limousines and who's in the building, who's not in the building. Let's just get back to the football aspect of it. But, you know, you guys have been fantastic this month with the support of it all. Um, insane. And I appreciate you all there. Um, at Browns Maven on Twitter. Make sure you're checking out everything, uh, you know, over there. And it comes to the, uh, you know, obviously through the Twitter account there SI.com Pete and his team's work over there. They, it's just great to see, I, you know, as much as me and Pete bust on each other, I love to see the guy succeed. He's put in his dues for a long, long time. Make sure you're following the guy over at underscore Pete Smith underscore on Twitter show itself at locked on Browns all over case. Always follow back. You guys know the drill. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open. S- ideas for the show. S- somebody you don't like to really talk on social media. That's fine. I'm trying to do my best to get back to as many DMs. Um, we're done for anybody who follows me a lot. Yeah, that we're not responding with that one anymore. Um, and the best part is it's not even a mute and block. It's just completely ignore the tweets that come your way. He's a jackass. And don't call yourself a grill master where you show me your turkey that you took out of the oven on Thanksgiving Day. Beat it with that. If I can ask for one little favor, though, guys. Uh, iTunes, rating reviews. Let's get back on those. Even if it's just simple as dropping a five-star, you want to write something nice, that'd be fantastic as well. Uh, We're busting our butts here for you. It doesn't cost you guys a dime. Do me a favor. Go ahead and take care of that. And with that, brings us to a wrap here. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.